realizing that the gift of helps is a gift of encouragement and you just get things done, right? If it wasn't for you, things wouldn't get done. And so if you have the gift of helps and you're looking for, and oftentimes the gift of helps, where can I help? I'll go over here, I'll go over there, I don't want to plan, I don't want to lead, but I'll come and show up and help out. Well, here's a great opportunity if you've got that gift to use your spiritual gift to come and just help out, get these hampers out to people who are in need and are being given the hamper in the name of Jesus Christ. And so by your gift of helps, your supernatural gift that the Holy Spirit uses in you, you're actually encouraging the leaders and you're getting love and the gospel to people. Well, that's kind of a cool gift, isn't it? So don't underplay that gift if you have it. In fact, let me pray right now. Jesus, that truth that I just spoke that comes from your word, uh, it's going to settle on the hearts of people who have that gift. I pray they would be encouraged by it and see the value and the importance of it in a body. And I pray that as they do these hampers, as this team gets together and those that have the helps join, that God, your word, your gospel, your love would go out to these families at a time when they are recognizing that they don't have what other people have. And I pray that this voice of the Spirit of God would speak clearly through us, through our community care, through those with the gift of helps. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been sharing with you since October, a journey I've been on, uh, Byron and I, have been going door to door. People go, wow, is that, does that work? And I'm going, well, depends how you judge it. Are thousands coming to Jesus? Nope, nope, no thousands aren't coming to Jesus. But do we get to share the gospel? Yes, every week, several times, we often get uh, to share the gospel. And so we just felt that the Holy Spirit was leading us to open up Saturdays once a month to do it. And so last Saturday, we opened it up for anybody that wanted to come with us door to door. We can only take a few because we have to do the training at the same time. And two people showed up, Crystal, my wife, and a, a guy who doesn't even come to our church. His name's Christian. He doesn't even come to our church. Yes, Nora, you told him about it and he showed up and uh, he's a believer and uh, he said I want to know what's going on I want to be part of this and I'm like well you're a you're a unique duck you want to be part of this and so he's a great guy so Christian and I we were paired up and then Byron and Crystal they paired up and so we went out and yet we knocked on the doors and and you know a lot of them for Christian and I were like no thanks no thanks no thanks no thanks the last house we were at the guy invites us into his house first time this ever happened to me and then he says come on and he he takes us upstairs to his den that's upstairs where it's just a couch, an L couch, and a TV. And we sit down and I begin to ask him if we can pray for his, him and his home. Yes, please, go ahead, do that. We do that. And then I say, do you know how God draws near to you? No. Would you like to hear? Sure. I'm like, this is just too easy. Like, well, <laughs> it's not the way this normally goes. So I share with him the gospel, the circles, you know, how the world was cre is broken, but God created perfect. And that we try to live in our brokenness different ways that we try, but God offers a way of escape through Jesus Christ who came to earth, was died on the cross, but rose from the dead and paid for our sin. And when we tr turn from our sin and trust Jesus, he forgives us, reconciles us with the Father, makes us new from the inside out, and begins to help us learn how to live the life God intended for us. And I'm so, do you, does that make sense to you? Uh-huh. Would you like to receive Christ? Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, he didn't understand. So I, I, I go back through it and I explain it all. And then I go, you know, now that he really knows what I'm saying, he's going to say, no, would you like to receive Christ? Uh-huh. 
So I look at Christian, Christian looks at me and we're like, okay, let me pray. And so I led him in prayer and he prayed and to receive Christ. He didn't want to pray it loud, but he prayed to receive Christ. I'm telling you, like, you know, I'm, my joy is just bubbling. And uh, so uh, Christian and I are just on top of the world. We can hardly wait. And so we get his contact information and everything. We go out to meet Crystal and Byron. And I can tell by the look in their face, something is going on. I'm going, come on, tell me what happened. No, no, you tell us first. No, no. So we tell our story. Christian tells our story. And, and then I'm talking to Byron and Crystal. And Byron says, Crystal, tell them ours. So they were at a door. They went through the same process. They shared the gospel. And the girl says to them, the young woman says, I want to receive Jesus. And he's like, what? <laughs> I want to receive Jesus. Right now? Yes, right now. And so they lead her in prayer and lead her Christ, get her name and everything. Like, it doesn't normally happen that way. But the joy we had, like we were bouncing down the street talking. We got in the car. We all went to the same area in one car. And you couldn't, nobody could hardly talk. We were all talking. You know how that gets you. You're so full of joy. You're all talking the same time, every sharing, laughing, or how God worked here and worked there. And there was this deep joy when we got engaged in the mission. It just happens. Now, we're studying the book of Philippians. Now, by the way, I'm not making a promise that if you come with us, that's how it'll turn out. Okay, because that was the first time Byron and I have ever had that experience after six months. So, uh, you know, but, but the joy is still the same when you engage in the mission. There's just something powerful about doing what God calls you to do, whether you're door-to-door -door with a family or friend or at work or at school. It doesn't matter where it is. It's when you engage in mission with people, there's a deep joy. And, and Philippians, the book we're studying, is the book called The Letter of Joy, which ironically was written, written where? Yell it. Prison. Yes, thank you. It was written in prison. So of all the places the book of joy could come from, prison's not the one you would think it would be. So I can think, you know, the book, the letter of joy from Paul on his all-inclusive in Sicily. Like that makes sense to me. But the letter of joy from Paul the apostle who's incarcerated in prison and isn't sure whether he's going to live. That just... Not the tagline you'd think you'd get from this. And as I was studying this, I realized each chapter, Paul chooses a different area of, of his life where he finds joy. And in chapter one, it's in mission. It's all through chapter one. He chooses joy in mission. Now, don't confuse this. It doesn't mean it's easy. It just means he has chosen joy in mission. Well, how so? Well, let's look, just start the book. Paul, uh, Philippians chapter one, verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants, actually the term is slaves of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, stop. What is a holy people? Now, typically we think the word holy meaning pure and righteous, but that's what righteous means. <laughs> what does holy mean? It involves that for sure, because when we're called holy, it means we're set apart for a purpose. And to be set apart for God's purposes, part of that involves living a morally pure life and striving to do so with the help of the Spirit and finding forgiveness when we don't. But the term holy doesn't necessarily mean pure, though it's involved because of who calls us. Holy means just set apart. And so some of you have a holy Leafs jersey. 
I don't mean there's holes in it. I mean, it's holy, meaning that you wear it whenever you watch the Leafs on TV or if you go to a game, you, this is the jerk. And you never wear it for anything else. It hangs in the closet. But when the game is on and you're watching it, on goes the jersey. It's set apart for watching your team lose. That's why it's set apart, okay? <laughs> I'm one to talk. <laughs> I don't even wear my jersey anymore. It's just, it's just painful. Uh, so, some of you, I knew a, a, an elder in the church that I was at previous to this. He had a holy couch. A holy couch? Every Sunday, the only time he sat on the couch was Sunday when he would take his nap. And for some reason, that couch was set apart for napping on Sunday afternoon. You know, I, I don't think he ever sat on it any other time. But it was, it was his place where he would go for his Sunday afternoon nap. And some of you have a holy outfit. And meaning, it's kind of like your lucky outfit. So if you're going on a date or you're going for a job interview, this is the one you wear. It's set apart for those special occasions. And that, that, because you feel it's helpful for you. Well, God, when he says we are a holy people, so he's writing to God's holy people in Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, he is saying you are set apart people, that God has a purpose for you. You're set apart for God's purpose and plan in this world. You are not here to live for yourself, or to live as the world says is happiness and fulfillment. You are here to live for Jesus and his plan. Well, what's that? Paul says, verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, so he's praying for them all the time, which is a great encouragement to think that our leaders pray, which is one of the things I'm really excited about is that there are leaders in this church that pray. And in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray, look, I always pray with joy. Paul, why do you, yeah, okay, you're seeing it. Why do you pray with joy? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am so amped because you have continued to be a partner in the gospel with me. Now look at the next verse. The next verse that you, many of you have quoted before, you quote out of context, you don't realize that Paul's talking about the mission when he says, and I'm, because I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he that led you into the faith, he is going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Now, obviously I overstated this case obviously that means what he began in us he's going to sanctify us and make him more and more make us more and more set apart for his purposes but what is his purpose the mission of God to share the gospel with people and he said I'm confident as you've been standing in the gospel and been faithful to it I am confident that God's going to keep working in you to make you more and more faithful in the calling to be his holy people and to fulfill his purposes now, that's quite a statement, considering when Paul preached the gospel in Philippi, I don't know if you know the backstory, he was put in prison and tortured. So they got to be thinking, <laughs> if I share the gospel, what's going to happen to me? And Paul goes, I am so full of joy that you have chosen to stand and be known for Christ and share Christ. <laughs> 
Now I gotta tell you, as a pastor, as a leader, Paul's just, a, that's where he's finding joy. He's choosing to find joy in their partnership in the gospel, and I understand that. When, you, when I hear of you sharing your faith, like when, when I hear stories that you're interceding for people in your life, that you're praying, God, give me a chance to share Christ with them, open up their hearts, because let's face it, some people aren't open that in our lives, and we pray for them, and we try to share Christ, but no, I'm not interested. It happens to me all the time. That's just the way it is. Then maybe there will come a day after I've been praying. I remember I, I've told you several times of my sister who I prayed for for 40 years and I gave up praying. And then after 40 years, she says, yeah, Jesus has been knocking at my door for a long time. I'm like, oh. So I'm excited when I hear that. It's encouraging. I'm encouraged when I hear you're investing your time. to You, you, you take time and you take energy to make sure there are people in your life that aren't Christians who you're building a relationship with. Because how can you be light if only you're surrounded only by Christians? You're having people over to your home, you're going out to events, you're, you're doing stuff, you're going out for coffee, whatever it is, you're, you're investing in people. And then uh, for those of you that, I, I get so encouraged when I hear you're inviting, I invited somebody to church, or I invited them to read this, or I invited them to, to talk about this question, or I invited them to read their Bible, well, I invited them to Alpha, whatever it is. That is so encouraging to me, and I want to say, as you do it and you struggle with it, because I struggle with it too, thank you. Thank you for joining in the mission that God has given just to us, just to his people. Because who else can share of the love of Jesus and the hope and the reconciliation and the deliverance from sin? You can't share that if you have not experienced that. But once you have experienced it, it becomes our purpose, our mission. Paul takes joy in that. Okay, I'm gonna to have to jump a few verses to get through the whole chapter. Look at verse 12, because he doesn't just, he doesn't just, Paul doesn't just get joy out of their partnership, he gets joy out of the advance of the gospel. He says in verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served the advance of the gospel. Stop, what happened to him? He's put in prison. Now, that's an interesting way. He's put in prison for sharing Christ, and he goes, hey, I don't want you to get discouraged here. I want you to know that I've been put in prison, but it's actually advanced the gospel. How so? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, when would Paul ever get the chance to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the palace guard? only by coming in as a prisoner because he has no other access to that. And he's like, hey, <laughs> you want to talk about cool? They put me in prison and then I have to come into the palace, you know, into the, uh, under the oversight of the palace guard? I've been sharing Christ with all these guys. They go all over the world. Some of them are trusting Christ and they're taking the gospel with them. And even those that aren't, they're telling other people, yeah, this freak, this maniac, this Bible thumper keeps trying to tell me, oh yeah, what's he talking about? Ah, oh, he's saying this. Paul's going, man, the gospel's going places I could never take it if I hadn't gone to prison. Isn't that great? <clears throat> Isn't that great? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I'd be there on the page with Paul. I'll be honest with you. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They watch me do it, and they go, I, I need to do that. <laughs> this is 
this is great. Yeah, but Paul, you're in prison. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm in prison and I don't like it and I want to get out. But look at what God is doing. He chooses to take joy in the advancement of the gospel. This happened to me this uh, summer. So uh, I, I told you I pray uh, at 10.02 every morning, Luke 10, verse 2, pray for God to raise up laborers in the harvest. So every Monday through Thursday, I pray at 10.02. My alarm goes off. And it reminds me, I need to pray for laborers. And I was doing that for several months. And then after praying, I'm like, God, I mean, where are the laborers? And into my office comes Mel Crawley. Now, shout out to Mel. Uh, Mel is, uh, we've been praying for Mel. She's dying of cancer. She's in her final days right now. But shout out to you, Mel. Um, we're praying for you and we're asking God to support you. She, she watches every morning, or every Sunday morning online. That's why I'm talking to her on the screen. And uh, we're praying for you, and we'll join you in glory. I mean, she's very close. And uh, uh, Mel came in, but back in the summer, she was fine. She wasn't fine, but she could get around and she could talk. And so she came to my office, and there was this joy about her. And I'm like, well, that's kind of unusual. I'm kind of preparing to talk to somebody who's dying of cancer, and they come into my office with joy. Now, it wasn't joy at having cancer. It wasn't joy with the thought of being, I'm going to die. That was causing sorrow in her. And, and she was concerned about her family. But where the joy came from, well, she goes, Ed, you'll never believe it. I get to talk to doctors and nurses all the time. I would never be able to talk to if I didn't have cancer. God is just keep opening up doors for me. She goes, you'd be shocked at how many of them listen and ask questions. Well, I think if you had somebody who was dying and they had joy and were sharing about Jesus, you might pique your interest too. That's what Paul's talking about, what Melody was talking about. Yeah, the, the situation is difficult and painful, but the joy she takes, I'm still here in case you can't see me, the, the joy she ta took in the reality that, that even though she has cancer, God is opening doors for me. Now, Paul takes it even a step further. This is the part with Paul that he, you know, this is obviously why he's so far ahead of the faith than certainly I am. And it's true, some preach Christ out of them. So he says, they're preaching, I get to preach Christ, isn't that great? And then he goes, yeah, I know what you're thinking. It's true that there are some that preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love. Those that preach it out of goodwill, they just do it because they love God, they love me, but they know that that's what my heartbeat is, and so they keep pre preaching the gospel, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel, so they're not going to stop preaching because that's my joy. Why would they stop? I'm encouraging them to. But there are those, the former, that preach Christ out of selfish ambition and not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in my change. And, and I talked about this last week. There were people going around you know, talking about Jesus in, in places where that would cause trouble for Paul and maybe get him put in prison longer or even killed. And how would you feel if you're sitting in a cell by yourself and you know that there are people out there trying to get you killed? Well, here's what Paul thinks. What does it matter? Oh, <laughs> well, it matters because you might die. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, I'm not sure, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm in prison tomorrow and I hear that you guys are excited and going out and preaching the gospel, but some of you are doing it to get me in more trouble. Not sure 
I'm rejoicing. Okay. That, this would be my test. This would be my test. But clearly Paul is at a further along down the road spiritually. He's, he's faced many tests. We all have our tests. Ours aren't being in prison, clearly. Ours maybe like for me, it's, Will I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed in the word of God? Because in our culture today, telling people that Jesus is the only way, that they're sinners, that there's a true heaven and a hell, that we must repent, isn't really a popular message. So am I going to shade it? Be subtle with it? Make it more acceptable to the values and the people of our culture? So that's my test. Every Sunday I get up. Am I going to say what I believe the Word of God teaches or am I going to hedge? It's my test. Now you don't have that test because you don't, aren't responsible to get up and preach. Unless you're teaching in a class or a life group, same thing applies. But you have friends, you have family, you have people at school, people at work, where you get opportunities and your test is, am I going to speak? Am I going to be so focused and excited about the advancement of the gospel that even if I have to kind of get pushback or opposition or dislike, I'm still, my, fo my, my focus is the gospel and, and being a God's holy person and doing what he's called me to do. That's what I take joy in. I, I, I don't take joy in being opposed or hurt or attacked. I take joy in that through all that, God still reigns and he is going to gain a victory. So that's the test. Now, how did Paul do that? Here's, here's, the, here's the, the part that I think we need to see because not only does he take joy in the partnership of the gospel and take joy in the advance of the gospel, but he also takes joy in suffering for the gospel. Paul chooses mission to take joy in mission even when it means suffering. So here we go. Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice. Why is that, Paul? Because, or for, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, See how active the Holy Spirit is in Paul's life and ministry? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Do you pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to use you? That in itself is a growth process of understanding how the Spirit speaks to us and uses us and guides us. But it starts with seeking him, seeking the Father, seeking the Son, seeking the Spirit. And God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I, I, I'm pretty sure that God's going to answer your prayers that uh, I'll get out. Now I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. Meaning that I do anything while I'm in prison that will... will Deny the gospel, deny Christ, or, or fail to stand up when I should stand up. But we'll have sufficient courage, because when we don't have courage, what happens? We run, we, we hide. And he said that I'll have sufficient courage so, that now, or courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. And here's the heart, that, here's the heart of a person that can rejoice in the advance of the gospel, even if it means he's suffering. This is what's going on on the inside. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Stop. You want to know how Paul got to the point where he would say, if I have to suffer for the gospel, I'm okay with that. I'll trust Jesus. 
because he got to the part in his heart where he said, you know what? On life here, I'm here for Jesus. Period. He's the priority. So if I have to die to exalt Jesus, I'll die. If I get to live to exalt Jesus, I'll live. Whether I live or die, as important as it is, is not the first priority of my life. The first priority is, am I exalting and honoring Jesus by what I'm doing right now? Now that is helpful. I mean, that's true of <laughs> everything we do. Is, are the words I'm about to say to my child are the words I'm about to say to this person, are, will they exalt Jesus or will they not exalt Jesus? Are they about me or are they about Jesus? Or to put it in the context of what Paul's talking about mission, I'm in an opportunity right now, I, I think I could ask a question, I think I could say something, I think I could stand up. Well, am I going to give, am I going to go ahead and do what I know Jesus wants me to do or am I going to back up because it's too hard and I'm going to protect myself? What's the priority in my heart, Jesus or self? That will determine how I live my life out here. So the battle isn't, oh, I gotta get myself you know, screwed up in courage to be able to say the gospel or share Jesus with some. The battle is here where we go, is Jesus first or am I? Get that straight, the rest of it falls into place. It's true of our whole lives. And my experience has been at least that Jesus brings things into my life where he goes, no, Ed, deal with this. <sighs> I don't want to move. Am I first or are you first? Just figure it out. So I struggle through that. And then finally, when, I, when we said, because we've moved several times as a ministry family, we were comfortable where we were. We love people where we were at. We love being where we were, but... A sense of Jesus calling came. It was like, okay, is my comfort and what I want more important than what Jesus wants? So Crystal and I, okay, we'll move. Is my comfort and being well-liked more important than them hearing the gospel and, and doing what Jesus said? Settle out here. It gets a whole lot easier when you get there. Doesn't get easy, it gets easier. Okay, so Paul says that's why he's settled this. If I die, I die. If I live, I live. As long as Christ is honored. If I'm going on, if I'm going to go on living, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Look at the way he looks at it, right? <laughs> he's talking about dying and living here, not do I have a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich? I mean, this is weighty stuff. Well, if I, if I live, look, great, I'll have uh, more fruit. And, but if I, if I die, I'll be with Jesus. I'm, I'm torn between these two. I, I want to depart. I want to be with Christ, which is better by far. Talk about faith. I want out of here. Man, I can hardly wait to get to be with Jesus. But, but you got to die for that, Paul. Duh. It's not in the text, but I... <laughs> but convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and I will continue with all of your progress and joy and faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. And so he's like, you know, I think God's going to keep me here. <clears throat> so disappointing to have to come back to you guys. I wish I could just go to heaven. But it's for your good. And so, uh, 
He's going to keep me here, I think, just so you can grow. I feel like a spiritual pygmy when I read this passage. Because I'm just not sure I would have the same attitude Paul has. Now, after he gives us the example, then, so, oh no, we're okay. I just feel like I've been blabbing on for a long time. That's why I had to look at my watch. Um, and you can shout amen, amen right there. That's, that's a, okay, if I get you to shout it some way, that's the way I get That's I'll take it. Whatever happens, look at what he says. Now, whatever happens, he goes from himself to them now. So whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Live in such a way that the gospel will be seen through your life, both by your words and your actions. By the way, if you don't have words, if you don't have actions, your words are meaningless. So if you live like the world, but you talk about Jesus, nobody takes you serious. But nobody comes to Jesus if you don't have words. People won't come to Jesus because you live like a Christian. Paul said, how will they believe? Somebody has to tell them the gospel. He didn't say somebody has to live the gospel. And if anybody could get away with living a Christian life and so draw people to God, Jesus would be the one. And what did he do? He went around from town to town and town and preached the gospel. Because living it only gives you credibility, but it doesn't explain what you're thinking and believing. So I just want to disabuse you of that while well, I live it. Well, yes, you have to <laughs> live it. You're supposed to live a life honoring to God. But don't think that by your living, people are going to understand that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and that they have to have their faith put in Jesus for the forgiveness. They just won't get it. They won't get there through just you living it in. Somewhere you have to explain it. Anyway, whatever happens, uh, then whether I come to see you or hear about you in your presence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. See, I'll, be, I'll, I'll know that you're, you're, you're living it out. You're being God's holy people without being frightened. What are they frightened of? The opposition from any who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. When you stand and share Christ, and they mock you or reject you, it is a sign. Well, how is it a sign? It's a sign that you're living for something beyond this world, which first should trigger their mind, but it'll also be a time when Jesus, when they stand before Jesus, and they say, you remember when Bob shared that with you? Oh. And you didn't want to hear it? So don't be frightened. I think that's a good encouragement for us. I'll tell you, every time I, I tell you these stories about going door to door because I'm kind of working out my life. Every, every Thursday, we go every Thursday, except for that once a month we go Saturday. <laughs> um, I have to die to myself because I don't want to go. And I have to say, I know you called us to this, so help me, Jesus, now to do what the right thing is. Now, every time I come back, it's just like prayer meeting. I don't really want to go at first, but when it's over, I can, it's the best thing. Four, now here's his reason why. Don't back down, don't, don't, I'm not saying be rude, but just don't, don't, 
lose your courage. Don't be frightened. Don't let those who oppose you stop you. Because he says, because or for, it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. That is your calling. That's what he leaves us with. Understand, following Jesus is not just about the good things. Part of following Jesus will be at times suffering for him. So don't let, have courage. Don't be afraid. Stand when you need to stand. Because that's what Jesus calls you to. That's what a holy person is. Set apart for the purpose of God to see the nations brought into faith. And we in our area are part of the light of God, the plan of God that's been going on since creation, since God made Adam and Eve and said, go fill the world and tell them about me and rule over. We are still in that program and we are still telling the nations and Jesus is still going out and our role is to be set aside to be his people that carry his message to the people around us we know. So don't back down. Yeah, but it could get hard, Paul. We could be like you. We could go to prison. He goes, yeah. Yeah, but that's what you're called to. So what do you do about this? Well, the danger is I'm preaching at Paul's level and you think, well, <laughs> thank goodness I don't have to preach. <laughs> but the reality is, is God calls us to share Christ in all kinds of different situations. You have people you know I could never reach. Never. And I know, have people I know you could never reach. And so we each go to the areas, our workplaces, our homes, our friendships, our sports teams, our schools, and we pray and we, we say, God, use me today. And when we get opportunity or when we take opportunity, we share the name of Jesus. And sometimes we're going to get pushed back. It's just the way it is. But if you're going to be obedient, we have to be willing to face that. So maybe for, remember those, so not everybody, now we open up door to door every once a month. If, if that appeals to you, you'd like to try it and you see what it's like, then just get a hold of me and, and you can come, we'll set it up and you, you can come and you can experience what that is. But I don't expect all of you to come. Okay, so there's no pressure for me. I just want, if the spirit is touching your heart and you go, I, I just, I'm just drawn toward that. I don't know what it is. Then Come. Now, for some of you, it won't be that. Many of you won't be that. But we can all ask questions, right? Remember those shy questions that I talked to you about? Spelled S-H-J, or S-J-H-Y. We spell shy funny. They, the S stands for spiritual beliefs. You can ask somebody, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And then just listen. The J uh, is for Jesus. Do you know, who do you think Jesus was? And then just listen. The H is, do you believe in a real heaven or hell? And then just listen. And then as you're having these conversations over weeks, maybe months, then you can ask the why question. Do you know how God draws near? So all of us could ask these questions in conversations, driving in the car, sitting at work talking, at the water cooler, over lunch, over coffee. We can ask these questions. And when you ask a question and you, you listen, 
Most people are like, oh, I don't care. If you're asking what I think, sure, I'll tell you. I'm surprised how few people are opposed to answering a question about spiritual things. So those shy questions can work with anybody, anytime, anywhere. You just uh, have to ask them. <laughs> There's a hook, or, uh, hook to everything, right? You gotta ask. And uh, so that's one way you can step into this calling, this holy calling that you're given. Another way, maybe invite people to Alpha. We run Alpha here. We run it in the fall. We run it in the spring. We, uh, we do it all. And you just invite somebody and go with them. Now, I prefer to, I've taken a number of people through Alpha online and during COVID. It was really easy. I, at first, I let it, uh, like, I don't want to have to learn how to run Alpha. Well, this is what it took. I finally said, okay, I'll do it. God, I'll do it. And I invited some people. They said, yes, surprise. And then uh, we met online on Zoom. And uh then I just go, oh, uh, here, I'll share my screen, dink. You all know how to do that, or most of you know how to do that. And then I went to Alpha, the Alpha site, and it's like, oh, session one, click, plays for about 25 minutes. And then after it was over, this is where it gets really tricky. So what'd you think? You'll be shocked at the conversations you'll have. It's that simple. I can even help, we can help you get that set up if you want to try that with a friend. Invite them, would you like to go through Alpha with me? We'll do it online. Maybe do it every other two weeks or every week. It takes about an hour. Of course, it depends on how much they talk, right? <laughs> so, you can invite them to church. You can invite them to read the Bible. You, you, we have books that if you want to give somebody a book to read, you, I got, I, just come to me. I'll give you a name of a book that's really good. Talks about spiritual things. There was a, I heard this, I thought this was unique. Some guy, um, he wasn't a preacher, he was, um, he was a congregation, he sat in a congregation. And he was talking about doing evangelism. He does, um, he called it forgiveness evangelism. And I'm like, what is forgiveness evangelism? So he had been a Christian for a long time and never shared his faith. And God convicted him about it and so he began to share his faith and this is what he did. He realized, I've got people in my life I've known for 20, 15, 20, 25 years, never told them about Christ, too afraid. So he said, he would go to them and he'd say, John, I, I really wanna apologize to you. Now if somebody comes up to you and says, I really wanna apologize to you, what's the first question in your head? What for, right? And so he said, I'll be honest with you, um, I have something in my life is the most important thing in my life and it's what I live for, a person I live for. And I've been too afraid to tell you about what's going on in my life because I was afraid you might laugh or reject or mock me. And so I'd love to share with you about my relationship with Jesus Christ and how he has changed my life if you would like to, would you like me to? And he said, he's amazed at how many people go, no, sure, go ahead. Forgiveness of answers. Maybe that's your thing. People you've known for years that you go, you know what? I feel really bad with people I've never shared Christ with. Well, there's a way you can do it. Just humble yourself and say, I, I just was too afraid and I wanna ask your forgiveness. Would you be interested in hearing? They might say no. Might say yes. The point is, is that we engage as God's holy people and choose 
the mission, and in doing so, we will find the joy because we're trusting in Christ. Remember, the theme for this book is joy follows belief, not circumstances. Choosing joy. Let's pray. Father, uh, this passage is, uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed studying it. Uh, I was surprised that it was so much about mission because I, I have never seen that before in this passage. But when I got into the words and the thoughts and thought about what Paul was saying, it, it just was obvious that Paul says, I, I, I take great joy in, in mission and in, in seeing you join me and watching the gospel go for, forth, even suffering for the gospel. I take joy in that because I know Jesus will be triumphant and victorious and that the day I stand before him, I will be so glad I was willing to do the mission to be his holy people and father I pray that spirit would fill us as we sit here today would you help us to choose to obey give us the courage that Paul had to put Jesus first in our hearts and then let everything else fall in his place in your name I pray amen